everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're going to be looking at quite a, a, a well-known book now. It's it's sort of everywhere online. I think it's becoming quite popular, and justly so. It's called The Grace Year, and it's by Kim Liggett. And I'm going to start off by saying that for a book that's a kind of about witchcraft, there is no witchcraft in it, in, in the traditional sense. So if you're expecting a sort of fantasy novel, look elsewhere. I have a similarly themed book that I'm going to review shortly. Uh, that I just bought, which actually has like magic in it, but this one doesn't really, but it is still quite a lot about witchcraft. And allow me to explain first off by giving you the blurb. No one speaks of the grace year. It's forbidden. In Ghana County, girls are told they have the power to lure grown men from their beds, to drive women mad with jealousy. They believe their very skin emits a powerful aphrodisiac, the potent essence of youth, of a girl on the edge of womanhood. That's why they're banished for their 16th year, to release their magic into the wild so they can return purified and ready for marriage, but not all of them will make it home alive. 16-year-old Tierney James dreams of a better life, a society that doesn't pit friend against friend or woman against woman, but as her own Gracie draws near, she quickly realises that it's not just the brutal elements they must fear. It's not even the poachers in the woods, men who are waiting for a chance to grab one of the girls in order to make a fortune on the black market. Their greatest threat may well be each other. With sharp prose and gritty realism, the Gracie examines the complex and sometimes twisted relationships between girls, the women they eventually become, and the difficult decisions they make in between. So as you can see, there's quite a lot about like feminism, about the relationships between women in the story. The whole thing kind of hinges on this idea of them having this magic and this dangerous power that they have to go and expel in the wild during this one year of exile. It's a little bit Hunger Games-y, uh, how that functions, so kind of similar to that if, if you liked the Hunger Games, as I did. Um, and we do see in the novel um, that women can be accused of witchcraft, of retaining some of the magic that they should have eliminated, and they are hanged for it. So there is a, a general sense of like witch trials uh, and, and witch hunting in the novel and the kind of belief in women having magic and the belief that women have an inner strength which is something that Tierney the main character uh, really clings to and is an idea that kind of brings her through everything that happens. So this movie is going to get a little bit spoilery because I have to talk about specific things within the plot to kind of get to the root of why I liked this book so much but I'm going to try and keep things vague as much as possible. Uh, so first a little bit of world building we introduced to Tierney. They live in this sort of um, old-fashioned historical town. It's unclear if this is some point in the future or if this is a sort of alternate historical past. It reminded me of M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, that kind of setup where it's very kind of medieval times. Um, so similar to that also reminded me of the Vovovich, the, the horror movie, that general type of setting, although the actual like year is very non-specific. And it seems like everything that they believe in has come from a kind of American idea of Christianity told to them in like the telephone game. So some things are different and some things are the same and some things have just been kind of dialed up to 11. So women in, in this society, they start off uh, with a white ribbon plaited into their hair and they have to have their hair plaited 
because it's believed if you have hair to hide behind, you could be muttering spells. Uh, they don't let women uh, pray silently or out loud. I can't remember which one. I think it's like allowed, maybe. Whatever. Uh, because they could also be hiding their magic. That way, they're not allowed to do a lot of, uh, of things because it's to do with magic. But when they reach um, the age at which they start to menstruate, they're given a red ribbon. And that's the point at which they kind of go off into the grace year. And we're told in Tierney's year that there are 33 eligible girls and only about 12 men. So it's it's clear that at least in this year, the girls heavily outnumber the men. And yet they are still bound into this very patriarchal society. And before they head off on the grace year, there's a little ceremony where they are presented with veils like the women are given veils by some of the men. They don't know that this is coming. It just happens on the day because all the men go off and discuss it together. But they get presented with a veil. And if you get a veil, it means when you come back from the grace year, if you live, you're going to get married to that person. You don't really get a say in it. And when you return, they take your red ribbon and they give you a black one, which means that you're a wife and you go and live with them. And if you're one of the many unmarried girls, you will go into the labour houses, uh, which are like mills, farming different domestic work um but you you would not be married and if you're very bad they banish you in fact if you don't return from the grace year and if your body is not recovered so basically if they think that you ran away when you were given the opportunity every female relative that you have like your younger sisters cousins whatever is forced out of the county and they have to live in the outskirts which is basically where um the women have to be prostitutes uh, and their sons become poachers who hunt and kill gracier girls because their flesh and various body parts are meant to have these kind of Chinese medicine-like properties uh, to give people youth and beauty. You know, like the same way like, impotent men will like eat ground-up tiger claw. It's the same thing, but with humans, which is revolting. Uh, so we basically joined Tierney on the eve of her Gracier departure and um, we see all of her fears, all of her worries, but she's also kind of excited because she wants to find out what her power will be, when her magic will come to her and when she will feel this you know, strength. And it's her plan that she, when she comes back, she'll go in the labour houses because then she won't have her dad telling her what to do and she won't be beholden to her husband. Although she will be in like servitude, she will at least have some kind of freedom. Big spanner thrown in the works when her former best friend, Michael, who's like the son of the elder of the town, so pretty hot property, proposes to her, having never told her that he was planning on doing this. This kind of throws her for a loop. And then they instantly turned around and marched out of the town past the returning girls who are like bedraggled and wounded and completely almost lifeless zombies just kind of being force marched back in so it's a kind of a look at her future and i thought they would just be turned out into the wilderness but they are actually taken to kind of again like the hunger games a kind of arena it, it's a fenced in area with a cabin and some woodland in it they are basically locked in there to to do whatever they want for a year and you know be that is meant to be expelling their magic, although, as I've said at the beginning of the review, we quickly discover that there really is no such thing as the magic, and the whole idea of women having to expel their magic is a smokescreen for what's really going on, which is essentially an exercise in breaking their spirits. 
because they lock them in this place where they have basically nothing and they finally give them the, the only freedom that they'll ever have in their lives and the girls lay into each other really they don't get on they don't collaborate they progressively get more and more wild thanks in no small part to some sort of environmental contaminants in that area and it's sort of an exercise in one this is what your life would be like if you weren't part of the county so you need to behave so that you can stay here and two in destroying the bonds between women in saying you know there is no such thing as a sisterhood women are your worst enemies because remember that year when you had to depend on each other and everything was really shitty you can't trust women women can't protect you you cannot collaborate with them against the men and i thought this was a really interesting idea it's somewhat explored in the handmaid's tale but i think that the handmaid's tale focuses more on men uh, and their idea of society and there is to a certain extent still some camaraderie between women this takes that a whole lot further and makes it kind of the main focus it's not really about you know the men the patriarchy holding them down it's how women hold themselves down by holding each other down uh, so that's a really interesting thing there's a lot of feminist themes running through the story and i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed like the opening especially where they where they get there uh, as someone who's just written a book about people who are like stuck on an island together i'm really interested in those kind of dynamics in people not listening to information that might be in their best interest uh, and instead going for like mob rule or he who is the loudest gets listened to um so, so i found the the beginning of the novel fascinating the end was really well crafted it balanced all of the elements together to make a really satisfying conclusion there weren't a huge number of surprises in it but there were a couple of little twists that i appreciated my main issue here is a mega spoiler it's kind of the midsection of the book where it turns into sort of a ya love story which i was not a fan of it also kind of committed the cardinal sin to me of if i'm reading a book about people who are stuck on an island or stuck somewhere it kind of reminded me of the blair witch 2 electric boogaloo they had better not leave that place for a large section of the narrative like remember in the blair witch 2 movie they go into the woods and then they leave and then most of the movie takes place in some guy's house um which i think is also slightly in the woods but you know semantics so a midpoint in the novel, um, Tierney escapes out from under the fence. Now they're told that you know escaping is incredibly dangerous. There are poachers there. Even on the way to um, this sort of location, one of them steps like a foot off the path to look at a pretty flower, and then they hear her being grabbed and basically skinned alive in the woods by these poachers. So they're an omnipresent threat that is just waiting for you to step out of line so leaving is very dangerous but tinny leaves i can't really remember why if she's like chasing after somebody or trying to stop someone getting hurt or trying to escape from being hurt herself but sh she gets away out under the fence and is captured by a poacher and he only captures her he doesn't kill her because her father is like a doctor and he's been tending unbeknownst to her to the men and women of the outskirts which he's not really meant to be doing but it means that this guy feels like he owes her dad a favor and so he's like i'll keep you here i'll get you like fed and strong again uh, and like patch you up 
and then I'm sending you back and all bets are off. If I catch you again, I'm going to kill you. And then quite a large section of the book is just them getting to know each other and then falling in love. And it felt like a lot of other YA novels at that point. And all of the original stuff was back on the island where, where we hadn't been. It felt like she just took a holiday out of the narrative of the story and it carried on without her. Which does make it quite shocking when she returns and sees how far things have devolved in her absence. And there are some very shocking and kind of gory, grisly things going on, which I appreciated. But it did feel a little bit of a cheat. Like, I wanted her to go back sooner. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of annoyed me a little bit that they would put the love story in there. Because I felt like it kind of cheapened some of the other stuff in the narrative a little bit. Although her involvement with another person is kind of necessary for the, the end of the book to work out in one of the twists that I mentioned. But I felt that could have maybe been scaled down and maybe not taken up so much of the story. Because it was, it was a little bit samey and a little bit dull after all of the interesting like world building and violence and group dynamics that we'd seen beforehand. Although I said that they don't have these magical powers, it does say a lot about witchcraft and the whole uh, idea behind the witch trials is this sort of um, misogynistic idea although obviously some men were accused of witchcraft and executed predominantly women um, and using it as a way to control women and have them kind of tell on each other it's a really effective device in that sense um, and there is some suggestion of something slightly witchy or supernatural going on in some of Tierney's dreams which seem to foretell elements of the future. Although this is partially explained away later when she kind of realises that she's been not foretelling something but remembering something that she's seen and forgotten. Some elements cannot be explained away by that weak explanation and do kind of have that like witchy supernatural feel to them. So there is a, a tad bit of magic content, but I would say the bulk of my witchy enjoyment from it was just the use of the idea of like female magic as a, as a device to kind of explore this world. And how in being told that we are powerful, that we are dangerous, that it's kind of our fault that men are attracted to us, that it's our fault that women are jealous of us because of our power, in quote marks um how to sort of turn that around and to actually use it as a, as a real power as opposed to just being a method of victim blaming so i like that it's definitely a really well written book very well crafted it's very cheap on the kindle so i would encourage you to at least buy it on kindle buy it in real life if, if you happen to be visiting bookshops at the moment or you know order it online but it's a great book if you like the handmaid's tale if you like the hunger games this is going to be right up your street and I heartily recommend it. In the meantime, if you'd like to recommend any other books, please email them to me or uh, drop them into the comments on YouTube. I've had some recommendations recently, which has made me very happy. I've bought them, they are arriving slowly, and I will get to them when I've gotten through the next book that I need to review. So uh, stay tuned for those and, and keep recommending things because it's always nice when I don't have to find my own books. I'm not going to lie. And it's nice because it's usually something that I wouldn't have picked up for myself so I get to like diversify my reading it's a good time give me those recommendations as always you can buy my book on kindle it's 99p on the kindle store at present it's also £4.50 like the the full copy of the book if you go to asda so check out asda if you're near one of them or a copy of stranded by sarah goodwin 
Um, you can also buy it in Tesco's or you can go into WH Smith's and Waterstones. If they don't have it on the shelf, they can order it in for you because they are selling it. But depending on the size of the store, it might not be in there. But get hold of a copy. And if you have read it already, please leave a review on Amazon or Goodreads or wherever, because it really does help other people to find the book. And I'd be very grateful. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.